0: Hello and welcome to the Forbes India Cover Story podcast series in association with TheIndicars.com. My name is Abhishek and this issue's cover is an interesting one. It tackles a new habit that has seeped in most of us while we buy household consumption items, whether online or offline, on EMIs or either on 0% interest rate or some minimum marginal percent and it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Joining me on the call to talk about his cover is Samar Srivastava. Hi Samar, thanks for joining in.
1: Hi, Amishik. Thank you for having me.
0: Uh, some, some part of the strap or the central idea of uh, what you write, and I quote, it talks about uh, the fact that the leverage is at $82 billion uh, uh, and doubling every three years. We'll come to the other part, but meaning we are talking about uh, regular folks, let's say the common man, buying stuff uh, in a chroma or, or online, not with ready cash, but on EMI. And that, that amount is $82 billion. Would that understanding be right? That's big.
1: Yes, Avisek, that number is 82 billion. And to put that in perspective, that's five and a half lakh crore. Now, what's been happening is that since banks are not really lending to industry and no industry is planning to expand capacity, consumer loans are the only game in town. And they've started providing very alluring offers to customers and customers just uh, lap them up what's begun to happen is that this bit you know what i call is unsecured finance because you don't really need to go and give any security when you're taking these loans so in a way all that the banks have is your creditworthiness. if you default the bank takes the hit there's no collateral to seize so this market has been growing at something like 20 plus percent a year and in the last quarter the uh, growth rate went up to 28 percent so if you compound at 20 or 28 percent you double every three years and that's a huge number our maths told us that assuming home loans grow at 11 12 percent they're growing at now and this grows at say about 25 percent in six years this market will be larger than the entire home loan market in the country
0: what is the payback percentage
1: so companies make good money because they operate on uh 300 400 basis points spread so they make good money and as of now default rates are roughly around 1%, which is very manageable. So right now, things are absolutely fine for the sector. But the fear is that as this has become a sector where it's easy to make money, competition has risen. And now once competition rises, you may have some companies that start lending to consumers who have lower credit scores and the underwriting standards may not be what they were, say, a year ago. So the fear is that as our underwriting standards get looser, uh, they could end up giving loans to customers who may end up defaulting.
0: Would it remotely be similar to what happened in the West back in 2008, where people uh, borrowed more than they could save or uh, they earned rather. And to pay off one loan, they would take another.
1: By 2008, I assume you're talking about the subprime housing crisis. And there are some crucial differences uh, between that situation and this situation. Difference number one is there you were lending to customers who had credit scores of below 650, you know, 500, 550, 650. And as of now, companies in India... I have not started lending to customers whose credit scores are that low as of now. But there, like I said, there is a fear that they might have to do that as competition in the sector increases. But another crucial difference, and this, this leads me to believe that we are still some time away before, you know, we start getting worried about these loans. And that crucial difference is that in the US, these loans were securitized and resold. So while somebody made he then packaged it into a bundle of other loans and then sold it on in India these loans are still not securitized and resold and so the lender is still left with the loans on his balance sheet and so he bloody well go out and recover them once you start selling it and it's no longer on your books you may lower your underwriting standards and you might say okay let me just make this loan let me sell it further and then it's whoever buys the loan it's their problem That hasn't started happening here as yet, at least not in a big way. And so, which is why I believe that as of today, I think the problem would be under check.
0: What is the trade-off in that uh, when people start buying stuff on credit of this kind, uh, would that mean the conventional savings, let's say in fixed deposits or mutual funds or other places might go down? And uh, would that be a bad thing at all if, if that were to happen?
1: So that has begun to happen, you know, So. India's story in many ways has been funded by the Indian household. And we've had a savings rate of about 30%. Uh, but last year was the first year where it dipped below 30% to 29.98%, I think. But in general, our savings rate has been above 30%. And that is what has really funded India's factories, India's roadways, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. The Indian household accounts for about one third of total savings. If consumers begin to spend more, obviously, they save less. And so, if our savings rate dips, we don't know how easy it would then be to finance our uh, capital expenditure, you know, to pay for schools, to pay for roads, to pay for bridges, et etc., et cetera.
0: Right. Is it ironic that, you know, although credit cards were introduced more than a decade back and now, I mean, everybody has one, but still the penetration has been low and rather the average Indian, perhaps I don't have the stats, but is reluctant to use a credit card as much as somebody in China or uh, America would be. Despite that, we've got such a big industry of uh, EMI, is the $82 billion figure that we mentioned. So how how do you explain that, you think?
1: This was something I discovered while researching this story. I had always known that... India had a very low penetration rate when it comes to credit cards for a variety of reasons, in the sense that we we seem to have skipped the credit card stage and moved to debit cards. Banks were reluctant to give out credit cards because it was very difficult to identify customers. Our credit bureaus didn't really have robust records. So there were a variety of reasons why banks did not expand their credit card base. And it's just 39 million, which is nothing. I mean, to give you uh, context, China has 588 million credit card users. Contrast to that, there are about 950 million debit cards. So what has happened is that because you don't have so many credit cards around the country, Indian companies realize that the EMI or getting customers to pay monthly installments over a 3, 6, 9, 12 month period for a product is the way to go. And so... EMIs have started catching on, and they have become the preferred route. So you could still finance an EMI through your credit card, or you could go to a lender like Bajaj Finance, who will give you EMI card. Okay, and he will say, that "This is your EMI card. This is your limit. Now you go to any shop, and let's say you shop ten thousand rupee worth, and you spread it into three EMI, six EMIs, nine EMIs, whatever the card allows you." Fact that we have fifteen million which is almost half the number of credit cards in the country, 15 million of these EMI cards in circulation today. And so EMI credit has been the way to go. And this has happened in other developing countries as well.
0: You talk about Brazil. Are there any learnings from there that how this might pan out eventually?
1: The simple learning is don't get customers over leveraged. In Brazil, after 2008 consumer credit grew at 25% a year. So you essentially had customers who were doubling their leverage every, I mean, in under three years, two and a half years. And what happened there was that when the commodity bubble burst in 2013, Brazil, because it was a net net commodity exporter, suffered disproportionately. And you found a lot of customers going bankrupt. And so defaults on these EMI loans that customers took surged to 5.6%. And If we had that default rate in India, to put the number in context, as a percentage, it would be much higher than the NPAs that banks have
0: these days. That would be big. There is one website name that I bumped into in your article called earlysalary.com, which Future Retail has tied up with. To, To quote you here, salaried employees with no credit history can apply for a half month's income in advance.
1: That's correct. So in the West, you have... you know, what are known as payday loans, essentially credit that you can take at very high rates of interest. And then the moment your salary comes in the next month, you are expected to pay that off. Early salary is a bit like that, although the founders were at pains to sort of clarify that we are not a payday loan. But look, these are meant for people who have no credit history, but who have a regular salary coming in. You can leverage up to half of your monthly salary to buy anything. And we're charged 9 rupees a day per 10,000 rupee loan that you take. And 9 rupees a day doesn't sound like a lot. But when you annualize that number, it's uh, 32.4% the interest rate. Now, the reason why a lot of buyers don't feel the pinch is because these loans are taken for under a month. You have someone who on the 15th of the month wants to go on a holiday or wants to buy a mobile phone. You know, Let's assume his salary is 20,000 rupees. He takes a loan of 10,000, he buys his phone or he goes to Goa for his two-day, three-day holiday, comes back and pays it off within the next month. On a 10,000 rupee loan, if he pays it off next month, he pays only 270 rupees extra. And so they don't think of it as a loan. But uh, it's one of the many uh, startups out there that are allowing uh, salaried employees to take their salary in advance.
0: Right. And last one, Samar, you know, we as a collective community are price conscious, whether it's an airline ticket or buying something on, a, on an e-commerce website, and we would not want to pay anything extra if we had a choice. But one interesting quote from your piece is from Kishore Beyani, who says that if your aspirations grow faster than your income, the only way to fund consumption is through credit. So where do you see this going or in the long run? So that the card that you mentioned sometime back, that of, let's say, Bajaj Finance, that is as important as a debit card that you might carry in your wallet? Are we heading in that direction?
1: Yeah, I mean, so there's no doubt. There's absolutely no doubt that credit is the next big thing. You only have to look at the fact that shares in Bajaj Finance have risen by 94% a year for the last five years. And there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that credit is the next big thing. The only thing that uh, companies and people need to remember is that there does come a point when it becomes unsustainable. And there is absolutely no doubt that that point will come. Will it come two years later, three years later, four years later? We don't know that. There's absolutely no doubt it will come. And you don't want to be the last man standing or you don't want to be left holding all those loans in your book at that point. But if you end up leveraging, there is a point where as a collective whole, consumers will not be able to pay back. And defaults will rise. There is absolutely no doubt about that. And banks will, will then have to write out some of these loans. Uh, but coming to your point about Kishore Biani, I think retailers also realize that without credit, there is only so much that buyers will buy. And so, if you want to tempt somebody to buy that air conditioner, to buy that refrigerator, to buy that fridge, you do need to offer them some credit. And retailers, uh, you know, they can say it's 0% EMI, but somebody is paying for those costs. And retailers typically and manufacturers typically factor in these costs in their selling price, so it's it's all factored in.
0: And and maybe someday you might just have some planner who helps you plan your credits as well. But because you yes. you, see, you seem to be a little pessimistic that you know eventually it it, it might be a, a bubble that might burst in that the assumption is that people will splurge. Only if that happens will this uh, you know go down the barrel.
1: That's that's right. So I mean, this is something that will only rise and rise in the years to come. And at some point, the bubble will burst. There's no doubt about that.
0: Great. For summer. thanks very much for your time on this one.
1: You're welcome. See you. Thanks.
0: Have All been. you listeners, you can get this podcast on ForbesIndia.com and on iTunes. And to have someone call you for a Forbes India subscription, message Forbes to 51818.